are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the Locked On Predators tour of the Central Division continues today. We have Jack Bushman from Locked On Blackhawks joining us today. Jack, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I just couldn't be more stoked that hockey season has finally arrived. We were talking before recording, and all of us were kind of in the same boat, feeling like it was getting real dry there after uh, the first few days of free agency. So good that some preseason games are back, and we're just a few weeks away from the start of the regular season. So couldn't be more stoked to be on the show with you two today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think us and our listeners agree. Uh, it's nice to have some fresh content out there instead of either like season and review or let's look ahead at this player. Like we, it's, it's good that we actually now have actual games uh, to break down and an exciting time uh, because there's a lot of changes happening in the central division. Um, obviously for you guys, <laughs> maybe, maybe the changes aren't, aren't as great. Um, so, so Jack, I, I do want to ask you it got kind of a general question. What's sort of the vibe among the Blackhawks fan base going into the season? Because, you know, it, it's been a very tumultuous last year or so. And of course now, you know, you lose a lot of players prospect of losing some other franchise guys, you know, over the next uh, year or so. So I got to ask, like, what's what's the mood around Blackhawks fan base right now? Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag, depending on who you're asking. I mean, and I can understand the feelings, uh, the many feelings that Blackhawks fans have at this point, because it feels likely that Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane are probably in their final year with the Blackhawks. It still really hasn't quite resonated with me that like my two childhood idols, this could be their last ride here in Chicago. Um, so I get the frustration and, you know, trading Alex to letting go of Dylan Strom, two of the better players that the Blackhawks had last year. Um, but I also think there are fans out there who are optimistic about what new GM Kyle Davidson is building here, because while the DeBrinket trade, I think every Blackhawks fan and many fans across the league would agree that that was probably a loss for the Blackhawks. I don't think they got a lot in return, but Everything they've done, they've stuck to the plan that Kyle Davidson laid out when he first got hired. They he, he referenced how the only way to go about this truly for the Blackhawks is to completely rebuild the prospect pool. The, the biggest problem for the Blackhawks was that they weren't good enough and they didn't have enough help coming through the system in the next few years to kind of keep this thing going, right? They, they were really, they really had their backs against the wall. And I feel like Kyle Davidson realized that, hey, helps not coming. This isn't going to get better anytime soon. And the Blackhawks addressed that those needs in this offseason heavily. I mean, they selected 11 players in the 2022 NHL draft. Three of those came in the first round. They've really keyed in on knowing they have to develop better. They've really struggled at getting talent from their minor leaguers to come up and make an impact on the NHL level. So those are kind of the areas that they're they're really focused on right now. And I think there are people that believe that brighter days, they're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, that they believe that better days are ahead. But the realistic situation is that it's not going to be anytime soon. And that kind of has the fan base not as intrigued. And I, I can't blame them. I mean, 
this team on paper does not look very sharp whatsoever. And from the front office standpoint, they really don't even want to be competing. They got their sights set on, you know, high first round picks in the 2023 NHL draft, which is looking like it could be, you know, you never know how it's going to turn out, but from afar, it's looking like it could be one of the better drafts that we've had in quite a while. So with that on the horizon and the Blackhawks, having the possibility of not only getting a high pick if their season doesn't go very well, but if you trade Kane, you trade Taves, we have a couple other pieces in Andreas Athanasiu and Mags Domi who are brought in on one-year deals in the offseason. They're likely to get dealt given that this is looking like a, a four or five-year plan in, in, down the road. So the Blackhawks really are just kind of focused on building back better through their through their prospect pool and you know hitting on some picks in the first round of the NHL drafts getting as many of those as possible and when it's not you know winning now in an original six franchise it's hard for folks to really be intrigued with what they're doing I was down at training camp earlier this week and it was scary how few people there were there to watch the Blackhawks. I mean, even last year, like they traded for Seth Jones, they traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. There were, there were people buzzed buzzing about the Blackhawks potentially. And this year there's just no one really all that enticed by what the Blackhawks are putting out on the ice. So yeah, there's a lot of mixed feelings going around the city right now. It kind of just depends on which person you're going to ask. But at the end of the day, I don't think Kyle Davidson had any choice but to go this route again because there wasn't enough help coming. The Blackhawks don't have a ton of money. Sure, they're going to get rid of probably Taze and Kane, but it's not going to be enough to completely revamp this team and make them a Stanley Cup contender immediately. So the only option here was really to go about this full-blown rebuild build that's now implemented here in Chicago. So you're talking about things are going to be looking a little bit different in Chicago. What have you seen or heard from head coach Luke, Luke Richardson kind of as Chicago's in this transition phase? Like what is he saying? What indications are, you know, is he giving to the fan base and to the players as they're walking through this? Because this is just, this is all new territory. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was kind of funny because training camp opened up with a press conference with just Luke Richardson and Kyle Davidson. and. Luke Richardson, when he was first hired here, he said, "Hey, look, the front office they they can do all they all they want and try not to, you know, theoretically make us good this year." Kyle Davidson would never admit to tanking, but you know, just look at the team that kind of tells you all you need to know. Um, but Luke Richardson, <laughs> Luke Richardson was saying, "We're gonna go in there and we're gonna try to win every night. Like I don't care what the front office is telling us. The message in the locker room is that we're still gonna compete. We're gonna try to get better each and every day." And honestly, Luke Richardson, I know it's still very early, obviously, in his tenure as Blackhawks head coach, but I think he's done everything right so far up to this point. Like the the changes that he's implemented on the ice were very overdue, especially in the defensive zone. He's kind of changing up how the Blackhawks are going to play defense as a whole. They previously ran man-to-man coverage a little bit under Jeremy Colleton, and now they're going back to a, a zone and a box one. And he also just like wants to change the mentality of what the team is trying to do on the ice. And Jeremy Cowleton's system, it was a system where you had to be in the right spot at the right time. You had to make this type of play in order for things to have success. Luke Richardson really wants to throw that out the window and just let the players go and react, go and play the game they've played for their entire lives. Because I feel like that with how fast the game of hockey is, it's hard to 
build in those design scenarios or those situations and recognize that you're in the middle of it when it's happening. Like, I feel like hockey is so reactionary and so much of making adjustments on the fly. That's really refreshing to hear uh, from the mentality of our new head coach. And other than that too, all the players are ecstatic. I mean, you would think the Blackhawks are ready to make a, a run for the Stanley Cup with how happy they are in training camp because that's the presence that Luke Richardson has. I mean, he demands respect and demands his players to work hard, but he's also not there to intimidate anyone or to play games or tactics or, you know, kind of be hard on some players to get the best out of them. That's not the style that he has. And the guys are really reacting to it. Well, uh, we even heard Max Domi in a press conference say this might be the most fun he's ever had at a training camp. And this is a Blackhawks team that's projected to finish like in the bottom three in the NHL. You don't think you wouldn't think you'd hear those type of things, but that's how much the players already enjoy having Luke Richardson around. So I'm really excited about how this year is going to go, not in terms of wins and losses, but just how the Blackhawks play for him. I think they're going to play with a lot of intensity and a lot of passion. And if they can compete every, you know, not every night, but more nights than not, and not have those four, one, four, nothing, five, nothing losses. And we can see improvements that will give us fans some confidence that, yeah, Hey, maybe we do finally have the right guy here. And maybe, you know, there, there is some better things to come for this organization after it's just been really, really rough the last few years when the team didn't have a direction or an identity. Luke Richardson has come in and implemented that. And I'm really excited to see how it's going to go in his first year this season. You, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but obviously one of the big talking points for, for Blackhawks fans right now is what's Jonathan Taze's future? What's Patrick Kane's future? Obviously we know they're both free agents because they signed those 20 contracts, you know, way back in the day, the bromance is real folks. Um, you know, what, how do you see each of their situations playing out? Do you see them maybe being deadline bait for some bigger team? Do you see them maybe waiting till the season ends and kind of going off on their terms? How do you see this kind of playing out for both of them? Or is there a chance maybe one of them changes their tune and says, you know what? I, I will. Chicago's my home. I will stick around and lead the next generation. Yeah, it's it's really intriguing because I think it could go any direction. Um, I do think one thing I will say, um, it is more likely, I, I think, than not that they do end up on another team by the trade deadline. I think the deadline is what makes the most sense. But with how how much players are enjoying Luke Richardson, like if if things, you know, go well and the Blackhawks are, are playing hard, maybe that entices them to stay. But I don't know. I think at the end of the day, the Blackhawks too are probably going to want to move them considering the assets that they can get. And with Patrick Kane, you could get an absolute haul. I mean, potentially multiple first round picks, even at this stage of his career, he just put up the third most points he's ever had in a season last year as a 33 year old, like, like a fine wine. He's, he's getting better with age truly right in front of our eyes here. And um, I think the Blackhawks, I think the worst case scenario for them would be to wait and keep them at the end of the year and see if they want to stay then. And then they lose them in free agency and get nothing like for the Blackhawks. It's so weird. You don't want to move these franchise icons. And from 
all sources, it seems like they're not going to approach Kane and Taves about waiving those no movement clauses. They're going to be the ones that have to kickstart that conversation. Um, but if they never have that conversation, that puts the Blackhawks organization in a really weird spot and gives them the, the chance that they get nothing for either of those two guys at the end of the day. So I, I do think, sadly, it's more likely than not that they get traded, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to see them stay. I, I think before we just go saying anything for sure, we need to see how the season goes with Luke Richardson because um, the, the latest we've heard from each of these two when they talk to the media at training camp is we didn't have any conversations with Kyle like that over the summer. We're just focused on being here, want to see how things go this year, want to see the mood and the vibe around the team. And then when the time comes, we'll we'll make that decision. But as of right now, everything's still kind of up in the air. So it's really going to be a, a wild seen throughout the course of the year. And I feel bad for those two because you know they're going to get hounded by the media about those questions and, until that day, more likely than not, comes in my mind. Uh, so yeah, just kind of a very weird situation for two icons of the franchise to be in, right? Like it, it's not the way anyone I don't think wants it to end, but unfortunately this is the situation we're in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm going to give you a chance to uh, kind of quiz us on uh, some Nashville Predators knowledge here in just a second. First, though, I want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net, that's your number one source for college and pro football betting this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news matchups, all that good stuff from every game across both college and NFL. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games, not just football, but MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, and, of course, hockey. They just put out a bunch of futures for this upcoming NHL season, so take a look at that. So be sure to head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Jack, so we talked a little bit about the Chicago Blackhawks, of course. Now I'm going to give you a chance to turn the tables. What do Blackhawks fans want to know about the Nashville Predators heading into this season? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this crossover for quite a while because I just have absolutely no idea what this Nashville Predators team is going to be this season. So I guess my really? first question. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. um, I guess my first question would be, how how would you two grade this offseason from the Predators? They gave um Forsberg obviously the big eight-year contract mm -hmm. they go out and add a top six piece in Nito Niederreiter uh they add Ryan McDonough to the defense which I think the top three is one of the strongest in the NHL you see Soros oh especially against the Blackhawks the dude's always standing on top of his head it seems like how do you feel about the Predators offseason was it good enough not good enough you like it you don't what what's what's the feel about it 
You know, it's so interesting. I would have answered this question a little bit differently, but at training camp the other day, um, Matt Duchesne made a really interesting comment. And Nick and I had talked about this on the podcast, but he was talking about the postseason. And, the, you know, in case anybody forgot, we did not. The Predators were swept in four games by the Colorado Avalanche. It was excruciating. It was as bad as, you know, you imagine it would be. Um, but Matt Duchesne said it was really good we lost that way. It's better we lost this way, you know, than had the Predators gone into the second round or the third round, they could have gone ahead and pretended like, well, hey, if this had just been a little different, we could have been, you know, and Matt Duchesne said, look, the bottom line is we were not a Stanley Cup winning team last season. And so losing the way they did really shined a very bright light and where you could see the major flaws in the Nashville Predators. And that was second line scoring. And that was just not having the defensive depth that the team needed. Of course, it did not help that UC Saros was injured in the playoffs. So they also went out and picked up a guy you're familiar with, Kevin Lankinen, signed him. So we have some goalie stuff going on here as well. So I think the Predators really took an honest look by force um, at what they needed, who they needed to be, what they needed to add. And I think that you know, general manager David Poyle did a good job going out and getting that. But now it's, you know, that adage in hockey where you can put something on paper that looks like it's going to be great and you don't necessarily know how it's going to translate to the ice. But I think that they did, they went and did what they really needed to do most importantly in the offseason. So in that respect, I feel pretty encouraged about what they did. And would you say the moves that they made? would take them to that next level because looking at the central division and and this is a conversation that I've had with every host of a central division team. I've done a few central division crossovers and we've all kind of agreed that after Colorado, this division is up for grabs and and there are some good teams here. I just don't know what order it's going to go. in, And I think nobody does. Do you feel like the Predators made enough moves and have enough talent right now to get back into the Stanley Cup playoffs once again? Or do you feel like they need to make a move or two at the deadline in order to do so if they are, in fact, competing when that time comes? Well, I think this is definitely a playoff team. And to answer your earlier question, like, you know, where does this put them? Are they Stanley Cup contenders? Are they back in that top tier like they were a few years ago? Probably not, let's be honest. But are they better than they were last year? At least on paper, yeah, 100%. And you mentioned all the new guys they brought in. But you're also, you know, you, you t- think about the new guys, but also you think of who's coming back. And UC Saros, you mentioned, big year last year. Roman Yossi, we know he made history with one of the best offensive performances by a defenseman in 30 years. Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, 80-point seasons between the two of them. Ryan Johansson, big back, big bounce-back year. And then you look at guys like Alexander Carrier, who really bursts onto the scene last year. Dante Fabro, who settled into his own as a, a solid you know, 5-4 defenseman. There's a lot of talent on this team that's either in their prime or seem poised to kind of take that next step in their career. And, you know, earlier this week, we talked to our friends from uh, from Locked on Avalanche kind of about the same thing. Where does everybody shuffle 
in the Central Division. And look, I don't think either Ann and I are calling Preds Stanley Cup contenders or frontrunners by any stretch of the imagination. And I think we're all pretty set that Colorado is probably going to be the favorites to win the Central. But I'll tell you where Nashville is. They are in a prime spot to kind of be that disruptor team. You know, it seems like for a while, there's always one team that just everything goes right for them right at the end of the year. Their goaltending gets hot. They have depth scoring just go on a tear. They have a legitimate first line that can take games over. Nashville kind of has that vibe. As long as they can stay healthy um, and as long as nobody on the team, especially in that core group, take a big step back this year, I I think you're going to see Nashville in a prime spot at the end of the year. Now, one other question I had is what would you deem a successful season for the Nashville Predators this year? And a a second parter off of that too is, do you worry at all about kind of being in this tweener stage where you're not quite good enough to win the cup, but you're not going to be bad enough to receive a, a good enough draft pick? And I don't know, this is just a thought I had about the Predators because it was a situation the Blackhawks found themselves in for forever. They weren't good enough to really compete, but they weren't bad enough to go and get a franchise altering player and they were just kind of staying stagnant and that's what kind of really cost them and put them into the situation they're in right now does does that thought ever cross your mind when you know the predators kind of gear up to make another run like this and make some bigger moves does that worry you at all i'm gonna let you go first and because i, I know we have <laughs> contra- take- a little bit of contrasting thoughts on this <laughs> Yeah. So your first question, I would say what a successful season would look like for the Nashville Predators. I really do think that the Nashville Predators have to make it past the first round of the playoffs for this to be considered a successful season. You know, they were in the Stanley Cup finals in 2017, and they have not been able to get out of the first round of the playoffs since then. And I think if they don't do it this season, I think there's going to be some heat on the seat of general manager David Poyle because they have got to take some steps forward. They keep saying that they're going to, they're retooling, you know, they're using all of the right lingo. But the bottom line is the Predators have been exiting in the first round of the playoffs. And I think that is what has to happen for this season to be successful. Anything past that is fantastic. But I think that's the bar that this team has to hit if this is going to be considered a successful season. Go ahead, Nick. You just go ahead. <laughs> just you go uh, ahead. <laughs> I, I want to address the uh, the situation of kind of being in the middle ground, not, not mm-hmm. sucky enough to get high draft picks, but not good enough to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, look, and, and maybe, this is, maybe this is a topic that we can dive into a little bit more um, in the next segment because I do want to talk about kind of the Blackhawks' take on this. I think if you have momentum, you should be going for it. I hate the idea of, oh, you're in the middle ground, so we need to go actively the other way to make ourselves good again. I hate that. I think it is the most counterproductive thing in sports. I think if you have any semblance of talent that you believe could get you to the promised land, you have to do everything in your power to build upon that talent. And look, 
we've dealt with this in Nashville for the past couple of years because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, they're not good enough to beat Colorado. They're not good enough to get to the first round. We need to suck for three years and win every draft lottery and then look at a championship team we're going to have and blah, 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 blah. Look, look at look at what happened last year. Yeah, we got swept, but their highest paid player on the team was Roman Yossi, who you saw what he did. Our second highest paid player on the team is Philip Forsberg, who had a career year. Our third highest paid player on the team is Matt Duchesne, who had a career year. And Ryan Johansson, who had a big bounce back year. And you keep going down the list and you see where I'm talking about, where your stars are actually playing like stars. This isn't like San Jose or LA from a few years ago or Philadelphia from, you know, recently where all of your highest paid players, guys that are locked in to like these seven year contracts worth all this insane amount of money are spinning their wheels or costing the team's games or have lost a step. These are, this is a team where your highest paid people, your core are actively going out and having some of the best seasons of the career. That's not a team that needs to rebuild. That's a team that just needs to build upon what they have. They don't need to tear out the foundation and start from scratch. They just need a fresh cone of paint on the side of the house. They need to fix some paneling. That's what the Predators need to do. And so, no, you know, there is a lot of people in the Preds fan base that's going to agree with me. They're saying, oh, the Preds are spinning their tires going nowhere fast. They have made the playoffs since the first lockout all but three seasons. Only the Pittsburgh Penguins have had more in that span than the Nashville Predators. I think the Predators are actually tied um, with Washington in, in terms of how many playoff appearances they've had. But think about that. Only the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have won three Stanley Cups, one of the two dynasties of the era, have had more success in getting to the playoffs than Nashville. That's something a lot of people are overlooking when they talk about this team. This is a team that consistently knows how to get in the postseason. And as they showed in 2017, all you need to do is get there to have a shot at the Stanley Cup. And one thing I will say in in terms of hockey in particular, like you just mentioned, if you get in and you get hot, you have a chance with anyone. That's just how this game works. So I, I agree with the situation that the Predators are in. It's not time to hit that point yet, and they do have a good core of pieces. I agree. They just need to find the right pieces to mix and match them with to take that next step. I was just curious. It seems like it is a topic going on in Nashville at least uh, because is. that was something – that the Blackhawks and our and our fans kind of fell into the last couple of years was that debate of what direction are we really heading in here? So I was just curious to hear your guys' take on that. Yeah, and I kind of want to hear your opinion too because this is kind of a topic that almost kind of spurred the topic in Nashville a little bit because we see what the Blackhawks are doing. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I would call this season a pretty blatant tank job. What? No. I mean, but... <laughs> Kyle Stevenson has never said the word tank. Never. Not once. Yeah. But okay, but but what's what's your opinion on it? Are you pro like we should try to lose as many games as possible and maybe have a shot at Connor Bedard? Or are you more of like, you know what? We're going to be bad either way. It doesn't matter where we are in the draft. There's other issues like drafting and developing that we need to work on. 
Yeah, it, it's kind of both because I, I feel like the Blackhawks, like the season's going to go where it's going to go, especially in the second half. Again, they're likely to trade Tainted and Kane, Athanasiu, Domi. They could move some other veteran pieces potentially. Like I think the second half is going to be pretty gross regardless, but you never know because it's a lottery. Like the Blackhawks could be the worst team by a landslide and they could still end up with the third overall pick. So yeah, I'm always wary of, you know, going out there and losing. I don't think that's ever the purpose. And it's nice to know that Luke Richardson has basically thrown that away and said, listen, I'm going to make Kyle Davison's job hard because we're going to be going out there and trying to compete each and every game. And I think that's kind of a more valuable lesson to be taught for some of these young guys who are going to be here in, in four to five years and hopefully will be pieces of the puzzle to kind of help turn this thing around. But I will say it's it's really enticing when you, you're dangling <laughs> Connor Bedard right there and you're like, now that's how you fix a rebuild. You go and get, you know, one of the premier, probably going to be the first overall pick. It would be absolutely blasphemy if you didn't. Um, well, we said that last year too with Shane Wright. Well, that's true. That, that, is, that is true. It would be a, a wild scene if Connor Bedard got passed up by somebody. But, um, yeah, it, it's tough because you know that the end goal, you feel like you can achieve it a little bit faster if you get a player like that. But, you know, you, you don't want to get – you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. I feel like in this situation, because even if you're bad, you're, you're not guaranteed anything. So I I think you kind of just got to go and play the games and and see where it's going to go from there. But um, I I don't think they have the the depth or the talent really to compete night and to be winning games night in and and night out. So I think that part's probably going to take care of itself. I think the losses are going to come. We'll see if it's, you know, enough to have them at the bottom of the standings, like a lot of people think, but We've heard that the coaching staff wants to, you know, be fighting out there. So it's a really weird mix, though. That that's what I'll say. Like I, I see both sides of it, but you just can't guarantee anything. You got to go and play the games for a reason. So I, I guess we're just gonna have to see what happens. I, I wish I could give you a better answer than that, but I'm just I'm, I'm torn myself. I don't want this team to purposely be losing, and I think that's a, a bad mentality to have each and every game. Like, imagine if your head coach is like, "All right, well, you're gonna you're gonna sit tonight because you're doing too good." Like, what? I mean, that, <laughs> you know, that's just never a good thing for your coach to be saying. So yeah, I don't think that's the way Luke Richardson's gonna be handling it, and we're just kind of have to see uh, what the results are. After 82 games, hey, if he right. wants to, if he wants to bench um, Patrick Kane before the Preds games, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, all right. So we're gonna see what happens, but before we wait and see what happens, let's talk about what we think is gonna happen. How do you think the Central Division's gonna shake out by the end? Just throw out your Central Division predictions. Who's gonna be the surprise? Where's it gonna shake out? Okay, so I will go based off my. Uh, Central Division rankings that I filled out when we had that poll mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks back, I believe it was. Colorado, I think everyone's going to have them at number one. I think that's pretty much a given. Two, I have the St. Louis Blues. I do have yes. some concerns about Jordan Bennington, but they have a very strong core. Their defense is really good. Tons of young talent. They should be able to score a lot of goals. If Jordan Bennington is is on top of his game, the St. Louis Blues are a dark horse in the Western Conference. They gave the Avs as good of a run as anybody did last year. I mean, they were seconds away from forcing yeah. overtime in game yeah. six, and who knows how the rest of that goes. So I, I would not count the Blues out whatsoever. Three through five is where I'm really like, I don't know. I had 
the Dallas Stars coming in at number three because I believe in their defense and goaltending just a little bit more than I believe in Nashville's. I had Nashville coming in at number four. Now, that's just the way I see it. Now, well, we can talk about this. Don't We're going to love you through it, but it hurts yeah. a little bit. I had Nashville coming in at number four just behind them. I think this three through five is going to be very close, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I actually think Minnesota is going to regress a little bit this year. I don't see them scoring the amount of goals they had last season. I do have some concerns about Marc-Andre Fleury's consistency night in and night out at this point. I know when he's playing his best, he's as good as they come. But mm-hmm. if – Things are shaky in front of him. There are some games where he's not stopping everything and it can get out of hand in a hurry, as we saw in Chicago a few times last year. So uh, I have the Wild coming in fifth, sixth. I have the Winnipeg Jets, seven. I have my Chicago Blackhawks because I do not think they're worse than the Arizona Coyotes. That team makes me want to throw up when I look at their (laughs) roster. Fair. Yeah, I mean, fair. Yeah, uh, I think Robin. I'm not sure if Robin Leano would agree or take umbrage with that. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, we were having that conversation when me and Robin were doing our crossover. Was it's like it seems like maybe the Coyotes—they're <laughs> terrible. There, that like maybe if they get hot, like can yeah. kind of leapfrog to not last. it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like two awful teams but it feels like one is actually trying to like put the put the future in the hands of their like young players and one is just trying to actively be bad (laughs) so it's it's a weird debate i want to go back to the dallas uh nashville thing i i think no umbrage with st louis being number two because i agree yeah um they look like the team that was the biggest threat to colorado and all of the playoffs last year and yes mm-hmm. i'm including the tampa bay lightning uh in that as well so i'm i'm gonna go with that dallas over chicago or I'm sorry, Dallas over Nashville. I was looking at the wrong logo. Don't shake your head at me. Man. I'm just a little judgy, a little okay. judgy, but go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, that that to me is, I, I mean, I get it. I just kind of want to go back with the defense being a little bit more reliable. I think Ryan McDonough kind of fills more of the complete status um, that that Nashville needed. Uh, to maybe have the edge defensively and not say, I mean, Dallas has guys like Miro Heiskanen and Asa Lindell who are obviously very good defensemen, uh, but there's still question marks about John Klingberg. Who's going to fill that role? Is Thomas Harley ready for a top four role yet? So I think Nashville defensively has more of their question marks filled out on the blue line than I think Dallas does. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I take no issue with anything on your list. Yeah. I don't know. I just Dallas, I feel like, especially too with how poor Sagan and Ben were last year and they still nearly beat the Calgary Flames in that first round series. I don't know. I feel like if those two bounce back, I feel like the stars have potential to to be there near the top. But I think that three through five is a hundred percent up for grabs. That's yeah. I would not be surprised to see those three come out in any combo whatsoever. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I do not disagree with you there. All right. Uh, well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, it's always good to hear from other Central Division hosts, and I am sure we will have you on throughout the season as the Preds and Blackhawks start to go head-to-head mm-hmm. uh, in some of these games. But until we get there, 
Uh, tell our uh, listeners how they can uh, catch you every day. Hey, you can find the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you get your podcast. If you want to check out some of the social accounts, uh, you can look at capital L, capital O underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. As for my personal account, you can find me at Jack Bushman, too, if you want to tag along for the uh, roller coaster ride that is bound to be the Chicago Blackhawks season. I don't know what direction it's going to go. I don't know if Taze and Kane are going to be back. We're going to have to find out, and that's why I'm excited for things to get going. That roller coaster ride seems like riding a roller coaster that's on fire while <laughs> also doing cocaine. Uh, so <laughs> absolutely ready to dive into that one. Um, Anne, why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Anne K underscore Mama on Ice. And you can find my work at ontheforecheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. Uh, and for you Blackhawks fans listening, if you want to keep up on the Preds throughout the regular season, uh, subscribe to the Lockdown Predators podcast. It's free wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Predators. Chirp us during the season. Just whatever you want to do talk hockey with us come say hi uh and if you feel like it you can visit our youtube page just search locked on predators give us a subscribe you'll always know when we put out blackhawks related content whether that's pregame or whatever uh, and so yeah we are excited to see you guys so jack thank you so much for joining us man happy to have you on uh we will see you again this season for sure yeah absolutely let's get together for a crossover whenever the hawks and preds battle for the first time for yeah. sure. And uh, for the rest of you guys, have a good weekend. We'll see you next week with all new episodes of both Locked on Preds and Locked on Blackhawks.